Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Tom. I'm Tim. Not as celebratory or like shouting from the rafters as you might expect. And tonight we're just talking Brexit. It's done and dusted as far as I'm concerned. Everything else is details. A general election was finally called. I think you know where we told them to go. We won't need to hear from them ever again. From who? I've got a list. <laughs> from Tony Blair, John Major, John Burko. I can't tell you how much pleasure it gives me to say that. <laughs> Joe Swinson. Lol. <laughs> All those MPs who switch parties without holding a by-election. Shukuru Mana, Sarah Wollaston, Anna Subri. Not a Nazi. All the MPs who did the opposite of what they promised in their manifestos. Dominic Grieve, David Cork, Philip Hammond, Oliver Letwin, Ed Vasey. Thank you. <laughs> All those patronising Labour MPs who know so much better than you. Emily Thornbury. <laughs> Diane Abbott. Jess, Jess Phillips. Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, bless. Um, that weird one with glasses. Long surname. Um, <laughs> Hilary Benn. Hillary's a girl's name, what the fuck's that all? What the hell is that all about? <laughs> the civil service, the Bank of England, um, the EU, the IMF, half of Hackney, uh, <laughs> Giva Hofstad, Emmanuel Macron, the commentariat, Jolly on Moron, Andrew Marr, Femi Weirdo, Aaron Bastani, Gina Miller, all the celebrities, Hugh Grant, Gary Lineker, Lily Allen, Steve Coogan, Nish Kumar, Lord Adonis. Who the fudge is he anyway? <laughs> the British told you to fudge off. 17 million fudge That was uh, Dominic Frisbee. Dominic Frisbee, 17 million fuck offs, which became a bit of a sort of Euro skeptic, well, UK Euro skeptic anthem. Yeah, and, and sort of, uh, <laughs> and eventually ended up as a sort of mass outbreak of Tourette's in Parliament Square <laughs> on, on the night of the 31st. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, Boris did it. He got it done, as it were. Kind of, well, the first step is done. Now the the hard part comes next. Yeah, but the the most the first step is is the the first step is the most important step on any journey. And uh, I'm giving myself a pat on the back because I'm flexible. <laughs> I think I played my part. Everyone played their little part by going out and voting. Well, not the young. Uh, not the young, the young didn't. Even though it was really it was a decision that affected them yeah. more than anybody else, and but, it didn't show up. But it's like a lifelong thing because even now, in like polite conversation, I can't bring up the fact that I voted to leave and I'm going to have to live with that for the rest of my life whether it goes for good or for ill not that I care now that it's done I don't I don't really care anymore I've, I've lost all sort of motivation I need to find something new to get my teeth into it's it's, it's done now can move on didn't 17 million fuck offs just there that we've just played that didn't get you uh, well, yeah yeah it did but it was it's done now we've we've told them all to f off like I said I don't I feel I, I feel a certain emptiness I do feel uh a glow of joy, but it's, it, you know, it was just another one of the, the battles 
on in, in my long sort of campaign of war. So, like I said, I've I've wanted out of the EU for twenty years actually, and for most of those twenty years, I, I never imagined it would it would be possible where it was going to happen. And then suddenly there was a chance it was going to happen. And I didn't think that was going to happen. And it happened. And then yeah, and then I had to wait for three years for them to like get all their devious machinations out of the way and eventually deliver on what was originally promised. And here we are today. I know there's still a lot of work to be done, but yeah, it's, it's done. It's, it's, it's written down in ink now. We have officially left. We're mm. not under the auspices of the ECJ. And, you know, like if you look at the state of the Labour Party, Brexit, one of the sort of side bonuses of Brexit was that it decimated the the Labour Party. It tore itself apart. Well, they they were doing that. Maybe, maybe we'll back Brexit. Maybe we'll back a second referendum. Maybe we'll back an election. And the, then, the, then they finally settled on, actually, we'll have a second referendum. And yeah, most of the Labour base was just said no. Yeah, but you only have to rewind back a bit further in time to the, the start of the whole um, referendum process when you had all three of the major parties... Labour, Conservative, Lib Dems, all came out against leaving the EU, all came out publicly saying that the, the, the line is we want to stay in because it's for the best. And obviously, you know, the, the great un, unwashed masses did the opposite to as they were told. And that, that is such a great thing in itself. Well, and it, 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 took, it took so long to deliver on this thing they didn't want to deliver and they've been forced to do it. Who's they, you may say? The, you know, the establishment. It was an anti-establishment vote. I don't know. I, I'm kind of annoyed with the way like the establishment used to mean like nobility, the royal family, things like that. Now it just is sort of like anybody who's sort of rich is considered part of the establishment. And it's like, no. I, yeah, I would say the political class, the overwhelming majority of the political class are Europhile. So it is kind of amazing that in a parliamentary democracy, this actually happened. Yeah, and like since the 80s, you had politicians talking of like new world orders and big political one world governments and you know that openly speak about it as a as a positive thing and you know that that saw the the sort of rise of globalism in the 90s and, and corporatism we've we've gone quite a way down that road now and it's it's good to see that we've been able to at least put on the brakes if not do a u-turn then definitely with the, the uk leaving the eu that's definitely slowed one of these uh super organizations down you know maybe it's a fatal blow to the eu the, the uk leaving are you for one world government run by Cobra Commander sort of thing. That's that's why I was always against the EU for like 20 years. It wasn't a new thing for me. I've always been against this sort of like one new world order. <laughs> See, if this is still a word for it, but this this sort of global government where you've just got these unelected technocrats running things from afar, you've yeah. got absolutely no control over, and nations don't mean anything, borders don't mean anything. You're just like a, a It's kind of block. ominous how um, when it comes to like... Some people love that, though. Well, I mean, it's bad enough that people don't know who uh, like their MEP is, right? But it's like, who the fuck knows who's in the Commission, who's in the Council of Europe, what judges are on the ECJ? Oh, come like, on, Tom. You, know like, you don't know who's who's responsible for doing the bins in your local council. So, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, but to it, find that out is really easy, and you've got a direct line communication to them yeah, if I suppose, need be. I suppose. But, that, but that's, the, that's the sort of disconnect that politicians have sort of used to get more and more power and you know the, the eu was the perfect example of that where it went from a trading block to suddenly you've got these judges um making yeah, up laws and well for europeans it was always more than just a common market but for the british public they were told in 1975 that's all it is it's just a common market and that's it it's nothing else and they lied yeah 
And I think there's um, there's doc- government documents from uh, 1981 that show they knew at the time of the referendum that we were going to end up being like an American state yeah. in a federalist system. Yeah. They knew back then. They didn't tell the public. But, but like I said, some people love that. And they were like really upset that we're not going to be part of this huge federal European state. Whereas me, the next, the, the morning after, uh, you know, so last morning, sort the of, thing, I woke up. No, the, you know, the, the, the legal sign-in, 31st of January. Oh, you woke up 1st February? I, no, the, yeah, I, I woke up feeling a little bit freer. And some people don't understand that. And if they don't understand that, I don't think I'll ever be able to convince them. And I wouldn't try to convince them for fear of offending them. It is weird how it did. Like, when we were kids growing up, for most of our adult lives, being pro-EU, being anti-EU, that wasn't a left versus right thing. It was easy. And then suddenly, but post-referendum, like, well, post the campaign starting, yeah. it suddenly became a left versus right thing, the new a ge- young versus old thing. It's the thing, that it's, it's that the new generation isn't anti-authority like it used to be. When I was young, it used to be like anti-EU simply because the EU was the government and like anything that was against the government was Like good. a super government. It, it doesn't matter, just government, the man, the guy in the suit, the square. That was the anti-authoritarianism. Like nowadays, there isn't. People like to be you know, fed and told what to do. That's, that seems to be the thing, like, the, the youth have chosen comfort over rebellion. But it did even, like, in the office, it would sort of break down. Like, the, what, those Eurosceptics who were actually, like, uh, like, they were actually comfortable talking about it openly. Most of them were working-class background, as in both parents were working-class, not this lower-middle-class parents makes me working-class bollocks. And um, most of them, in fact, I'd say all of them, had like a social conservatism side to them. Didn't really care about being uh, fashionably progressive or anything like that. As opposed to the other side where it was all went to university, all went to metropolitan universities, all pretty left. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? I, I like the culture's changed now. I think people are a lot more comfortable with things being done for them. We do live in a more sort of automated world. And I've, lack of personal responsibility, I've yeah, noticed. Yeah, and I think that has spread to the way that people, they don't really care or question too much who controls them or how they control them, just as long as they're getting their sort of two meals a day, you know. But for me, like yeah, I said... You're talking about millennials and Gen Xs, yeah, and, yeah. like never really had it hard. But that's for me, like for me, now, now that the, the point's been made you know the argument has been one that you know self-determination is more important no matter what the risk so i don't care about the consequences which is going to wind up anyone who wanted to remain but the, the consequences don't bother me because the argument has been one democracy or at least my version of democracy which i think is better has has has, has come out on top Are you, so you're pro direct democracy smaller government very popular democracy S- smaller government basically more accountability well that's not that's not a, like less a democracy government. question that's less government that's the thing do you know what i mean less power that's like libertarian exactly and you can't like that's what i don't understand some more, people more some church? people some some, more... some some friends of mine who i thought thought the same way you know if not smash the system then like don't go with the system like they all suddenly came out in favor of the eu and i couldn't believe it because to me that was like the the, the sort of archetype of this sort of controlling overlord system that you've got such little stake in would you say they were on the right at all no left because mm. this is like the, the you were saying about the argument the argument's been won the europhile side didn't really make an argument they made an assertion well they didn't want to admit to being like a sort of Illuminati superstate. <laughs> I don't think they are, but they I do. they framed it. Oh, it's a moral issue. <laughs> 
and uh, remaining is the moral position, leaving is the immoral position. Yeah, and then just, because that was like the bedrock of their whole yeah, stance. Yeah. They never felt like they had to persuade anyone no. beyond you're a bad person yeah, and I'm ju- not. Just don't mention the EU army. That's a conspiracy theory. That's what Nick Clegg famously said as a riposte to Nigel Farage. He said it about 10 minutes after Martin Schultz and Guy Verhofstadt. They were all like, yeah, of course there's going to be an EU army. There has to be an EU army. We have to, the EU's got to be able to protect its borders. But the same people who love the EU are the same people that say, well, tend to be pro no nations, no borders, just free movement of everyone everywhere, which would be absolute fucking chaos. And the end of uh, individual ethnicity, ethnic cultures, pretty much. You'd have a mass homogenization across the globe. And it would just be really busy and crowded everywhere. Even if everyone was like really... In some parts of the world. Other parts of the world would be like completely abandoned. Yeah, yeah. but like even if everybody was like really rich and well-educated, you'd all be like crammed together on public transport and in restaurants and bars and on the roads. It'd just be miserable. There's just You can't have everybody being able to go everywhere because they'd only they'd all go to the same place. You know, yeah. it, it's just sensible. That's why nightclubs the have EU the little roped-off rope area. You know? But that's, the EU fucked up on that one, didn't they? Hungary and Italy were like desperate for help during the migrant crisis. And the EU just, no, don't feel like helping you. Don't see why we should. But there's still, UFOs are still making that argument, the moral, they're still framing it in a moral way. And another thing I noticed, they're still doing the, oh, well, look, the well-educated people in the country, the ones with worthless university degrees, yeah, they all voted Remain. So obviously the smart, intelligent well, position. Well, it's a joke now. because It's a joke because about 50% of people in schools end up going to university. Yeah, about 40% of 18-year-olds. And like, so like, it, what it actually means is that the value of a degree gets con- con- consistently watered down and watered down. So now you've got all these people going for jobs. They've all got degrees. So it's the people who've got two degrees who will stand out. Now it's what university you went to. Like every employer has in yeah. their mind, like a ranking of yeah. the universities in the but, country. But is, isn't it funny, you know, like the, the remain and leave vote was about 50-50 and it's, you know, people staying, going to university and not going to university is about 50-50 now. So it's just, you know. Come on. I didn't have to go to university to work that out. Looking at the stats, it does break down pretty much. Uh, middle class went to a metropolitan or uh, uni town, voted remain. Didn't go to university, don't live in a metropolitan urban area, voted leave. I don't know. It's sort of, you know, like that song we played at the beginning, uh, beginning the British yeah. told them to fuck off. Yeah. Really, England, except for, well, except for London, Birmingham, Liverpool. So England, Wales, the Northern Irish, I think they voted Brexit, didn't they? Quite heavily. Yeah. Scotland and Ireland pretty much remain. Yeah. I mean, that was, if I were a UFO, I'd be pulling on that way more than anything else. I wouldn't be going around asserting that I'm more intelligent and more moral than anybody thinking of voting leave. I noticed BBC News and um, ITV, ITN. They, they kept asking this question of, so, you know, what what was changed for you now? Now that the clock has struck 11pm and now we are officially out, what's changed? Well, what, what, so, of course, nothing's changed. What, it's one minute past 11. What did irritate me was some, like, very pro-Remain people. I'd hear them arguing about it and they'd say to people, like, um, oh, it's going to be absolutely terrible, you know, it's going to be like a doom, doom, and then... Then it's actually happened. They're like, well, look, nothing's actually going to change for a year. You know, nothing's changed. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, it's true. You're just never happy, are you? You just want to attack, attack, attack. Well, this is after they said it would be, like in the song, Super Gonorrhea. Mm. No sandwiches, no medicine. Project Fear. Uh, flights ne- were going to stop yeah, yeah. the day we left the EU. And- yeah, Pro- Project Fear never phased me at all. 
you know if if anything it, it taught an, an important lesson in in the using the tactics of fear it, it can backfire on people because it, it, you know scary things they can encourage people to be brave and, it, and 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 scary things they they force people into two camps people who can cope with them and people who can't cope with them and the people who can't cope with them will, like a fight or flight kind yeah, of thing yeah. and the people who can't cope with them will always always lose but it's weird though isn't like, it no no listen listen to it me. was the radical left that were like yeah. no we have to remain yeah yeah but i'm getting to the important bit now it's like the reason the remainers wanted to remain is because they were scared of the consequences the and if you act through fear you'll always lose you'll always fail look at history cowards never won anything so like you have to risk it for the biscuits sometimes you do you do have to be roll the dice don't think twice and like i say that's that's where we are now it's it's uncertainty but from from uncertainty you can you can pluck anything you know so it's not the ideal way I would have wanted it done. I would have it wanted like the country to elect like a Brexit government. Yeah, but then it would have like probably ended up as no deal. If if Farage was prime minister, it would be a no deal. Yeah, because the terms of the agreement pretty much shove you into either you stay or you, or it's like a yeah, it's no deal. Yeah, and I then think you have to arrange a trade deal post exit. Whatever they agree over the next year, I think there'll be some furious tweaking continually for like at least the next five years because the reason project fear never affected me anyway is because i know that ultimately some things change and some things never change like a leopard can't change its spots but a snake can shed its skin so like the situation has changed but rich people will still want to make money so they're never going to like screw over the markets too much because the people that matter don't want that to happen and it's not going to happen things are going to chug along Honestly, like I think it's going to be worse for the EU than it is for us. And people will look at us as the bad guy, but in history, sometimes you you need a bad guy to, to sort of the move EU, things along. What well, I'll give the EU some credit for, or, you know, full credit for, is it does survive things that people often think is going to kill it. This is a biggie, though, Tom. This is a biggie. It is because they're quite cult-like over in uh, over in Brussels. Oh yeah, where it is like a, a real sanctuary for political ideologues. Like, just real hard line. European federalism. They've wanted it since their sixth form. Yeah, pretty much. And they've had the same argument and just been pushing it since. I'm more moral than you. We must share. We must unite. They're just buzzwords. And they, they sound good because sharing and uniting Stronger is Stronger together. Yeah. Coronavirus will soon put paid to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think about Don't, a world yeah, with let's, no borders. Let's, like... let's all unite and be together, but not too close. <laughs> Don't breathe on me. <laughs> No borders, no checks. Yeah, why do we need borders? Come on, let's get real. A border is just a big front door. Everyone's um, got one on their house, so you're all a hypocrite if you don't want them. You know there's that trend now when someone's getting deported from from the UK, right? Yeah. And they're on the plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, no, no, leave them, leave the man alone. <laughs> do you know what the fuck it takes to get deported from this country? <laughs> serious, <laughs> must be grievous bodily serious. harm. Yeah. Serial rape. yeah. Uh, defrauding like the elderly and disabled like that's the kind of thing that those yeah. are the only things that really they get you deported from and this even then it would be like for the second or third time third third or fourth serial, yeah. yeah third or fourth time yeah serial criminal <laughs> oh god this country's i don't know if it's just getting i don't think it's getting dumber well, this, per se, but it's really, really passive thinking. I, I, see, um, I see lots of lack stories. of reason. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And but I see lots of stories of people who get kicked out and then they just come back. <laughs> they just, you, yeah, they just come back quietly. Yeah, and there'll be the story that they've been caught, and they were like, "Oh, this person should have been, you know, not in the country." So that somehow makes it less, less worse. 
because they've like stuck an axe in his head. I mean, thankfully, you don't see many uh, rubber dinghies. Well, that's because we don't live on the coast, you know. Well, we see a 50-foot sperm whales. That's not going to last, is it, that poor poor whale? Well, swimming even, up the Thames estuary. Yeah, even just Why, the pollution though? alone would probably kill it. Yeah. <laughs> Get plastic in its blowhole. Was there anything that Eurofiles said that you were sort of like, hmm, okay... No, absolutely nothing. Because, like I said, they, their whole cool. their whole raison d'etre was like, you should be scared. A couple of things that made me sort of question it: real concern that the science community was going to be affected, like scientific research and development in the UK was going to be hurt by leaving the EU. That made me sort of reconsider. To hell with you! Don't tell me to be scared. Worst of all, don't call me racist, because that's like the worst thing you can do to someone. If you keep calling them racist and racist over and over, Frankenstein's monster. They'll just be like, okay fine if you're gonna call me x i might as well be yeah, x anyway and you know i don't care so i don't need to self-reflect anymore because i know i can never change your mind about me so i'll just do what the fuck i like i think that the, the notion that oh brexit's what the far right wants don't give a fuck like, you know what i mean like you're yeah. like if you live I, I your want life it. i want it i don't care what other people want it's about what i want <laughs> yeah. but if you live your life with that sort of the guilt by association thing okay yeah. well hitler was a vegetarian it's the fear thing you don't want to be you know you'll be scared to be associated with these people you know it's all about fear isn't it it's, it's negative you shouldn't want things for negative reasons yeah the public in western democracy i would say yeah, i can't speak for the whole world but they tend to vote for the hope the aspirational that sort of intangible quality as opposed to we hate x That's which is all the S&P has the large hadron collider is reversing as we speak that's in cern though that's in uh, switzerland, switzerland yeah. so that's that's they're out of the loop they're like us we're in the same same gang as switzerland now i wouldn't mind having is that something such a like bad the, thing? the swiss model yeah efta isn't it the swiss or was that Nor- no norway's eea which is i think close enough i'd accept that well swiss were like we're never joining they were never even like gonna be in it and i think they only adopt something like 11%, 19%, something like that, of um, EU regulations. That's another thing about the EU, like, sort of how well in it all is. Like, there's a wing in the EU called Winston Churchill. Mm. Well, I mean, he was pro-Eurofederalism, but he didn't want Britain to be part of a federalised Europe. No. As much as he was pro-France and Germany not invading each other, not attacking each other. The joke is, Germany will always be able to overrun France, <laughs> you know. Yeah, economically, militarily. Yeah. They're just that. They're just that little bit bigger in terms of population as well. You know, in terms of the standing army, they, could, they can always just rush over the, the border and take them quick. Well, if you lived a hundred years ago and you were looking at Europe and you're like, who's going to dominate this continent? Unquestionably, it would be Germany, maybe Britain. But by right, you know, Germany it shouldn't dominate. <laughs> The continent of Europe, but it probably will. But the funny thing is, it's like uh, on the last day that UK was in the EU, uh, I was watching Guy Verhofstadt give a speech, and it was actually quite emotional because he said, it's very sad, this country that has has shed its blood to liberate us. He, he said, he, so he referenced the, you know, World War One, World oh, War Two. Was II. he doing good cop, bad cop yeah, kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, no, no, but, but he said it, it was, and it's the truth. It's the truth. And as a Belgian, you know, he's like super aware of yeah, that. Yeah, who are essentially French. But they're like really, no, but they're really aware of the Brits, like helping them. And it's like, it's a thing. And like, but it was very ironic because, and it's super controversial for me to say, but it's almost like the, the British have liberated Europe again, but this time, thankfully, in a bloodless way. It's not they've, like... They've, they've stymied the Germans' ambitions 
<laughs> Again. Not really. Wait and see. Because there's only a couple of big the, players that could even come they, close to standing up to Germany. It's all about who pays the bills now. Well, Germany. And the other thing is, when you, it's not just about who pays the bills, but it's just through the way it works. It's like whoever's paying the most, they'll have the most power. And eventually, the other, the other countries will really... Uh, the German people are getting pissed off with that, though. Yeah, but they the rest, don't want to fund the, the whole EU. Who cares about the people, though? They, you know, the government. They're just like little ants to the government. They voted in Merkel for like five thousand times. This is know. my argument against PR proportional representation. Germany has that. Yeah, the German public. They clearly spoke a message of we don't want Merkel and Schultz again. And then because of the way the PR system works, they got Merkel and Schultz again. They're their own worst enemies. But what I mean, they're, they're much more supplicant. <laughs> well, they've proved themselves. The Brits have proved themselves to be, like, so less supplicant than any other European nation. We've, like, stood up to them and we didn't have a second referendum like they wanted us to. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm proud. God save the Queen. I'm actually getting a bit more fired up now. Rule Britannia. Fantastic. Present! Fire! But it's not like, say, hypothetically, Russia invades an Eastern European member of the EU. It's not like we're going to tell them to go fuck themselves. All right, let's talk... Mr. Brexit. No more. I'm not Mr. Brexit anymore. No, okay. Nigel Farage. Oh. Come on, there's only one. What's Farage going to do next? I think he's going to hopefully pick up another mantle and go after the House of Lords. I think he's going to fall away from politics pretty quickly. Have his own talk show on uh, American telly. I um, said before, I don't think it'll be on TV. His teeth are too stained and, you know, his face is too wrinkled. I reckon it'll, um, it'll be talk radio, like what he's doing now. He'll just be doing more of that. That or the next James Bond. Would it happen? Would Brexit happen without no noise? Every platform he had, he he seemed to be. He, he was just he's just a very good speaker, isn't he? And he he always gave straight answers to whatever question was given to him, which was unusual and refreshing to see in a politician. And he had a hard time doing it because he always had this well, uh, always, burden of the racism over yeah, his head, and, and they were always attacking him. Everyone goes on about how many times he's been on Question Time. It's like every time he's gone on. He's been lambasted by either panelists sat next to him or the audience. It's like he's there. He's there for them to throw their venom at him anyway. But like he he got used to that and he eventually owned it. Always laughed it off. It became like almost a pantomime sort of thing. You know, he just, you know, boozing, smoking, laughing. Water of a duck's back. Do you remember his family got attacked in a pub? Yeah. I remember that was sort of like a moment where it turned. Where people was like people who kind of liked him but were too scared to say so started like coming out of the woodwork more. And didn't didn't he say or wasn't like a, a wheel like loosened? All the wheels were like loosened on his car. There was a suspicion. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah. But he was he's he was like, oh my god, someone in the EU's yeah. trying to kill me. But but even aside from that, he survived a plane crash, didn't he? When he was out campaigning, yeah. there was like famous pictures of him like in the wreckage. Oh, that made the rounds. You know, he he had a he was meant to get us out of Europe. That's why he survived all those attempts. Some, Destiny. There's some Arthurian shit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves his seat at the round table of Camelot, you know. He won't be in the House of Lords, was it sort of Come on, Shami Chakrabarti is in the Lords. The former Shami, the former head of Liberty. You have to say it this way, Shami, what anti Semitism Chakrabarti. Zach Goldsmith's in the Lords now. What's he ever done? Um, he's lost a couple of elections. Was an MP briefly for, for Richmond, which is because it's just because he's rich. You know, it's like it's just the way of the world. He's going to come to you with and problems in if, Richmond, but at least, but you know, at least it's not hereditary anymore. It used to be more hereditary, didn't it? And it was just like basically, if your dad was friends with a king hundred years ago, do you, you know, know what? For life, I think that's arguably. I mean, on paper, no, you wouldn't want that. But arguably, it, that kind of person is going to care more 
about not doing something that could potentially harm the country that as kind opposed of to person that's a bit of an assumption to make out of like a, a group of a few hundred people who are yeah, all elected people, by politicians come yeah, on yeah but they're people like the hereditary ones are oh, people hereditary. Who, yeah they're people whose family in some way they've got tied, some interest to protect Tom. it's tied to the country itself in some way it's just about money but the problem with having the party appointed ones yeah. is they're just partisan they're hacks yeah they do what the party wants why like why should they, there, sh- they should go? Like why should there be any Liberal Democrat lords when there's only like three Liberal Democrat MPs in the whole of the House of Commons? Maybe allow one. What do you know what I mean? Though it's like it's just so it just makes no sense whatsoever. Just as charity, give them one. Sack them all and instead have a, a lottery like jury service where you can be a. a but how long? A year. Who'd want to do that? Loads of people. Three hundred quid a day. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Just sitting around for lots sitting around. Yeah, but anyway, it, do you know what I mean? Because you still need to have that function uh, of of our the way our system works to maintain that balance. But it, the people holding those scales, it, it, you know, we, you can, we can pick them a lot more fairly. Shall we hear from uh, celebratory Nigel Farage? So this is it, the final chapter, the end of the road. A 47-year political experiment that the British, frankly, have never been very happy with. My mother and father signed up to a common market. Not to a political union, not to flags, anthems, presidents, and now you even want your own army. For me, it's been 27 years of campaigning and over 20 years here in this parliament. But the most significant point is this. What happens at 11pm marks the point of no return. Once we've left... We are never coming back, and the rest, frankly, is detail. In 2005, I saw the Constitution. I saw it rejected by the French in a referendum. I saw it rejected by the Dutch in a referendum, and I saw you in these institutions ignore them, bring it back as a Lisbon Treaty, and boast you could ram it through without there being referendums. Well, the Irish did have a vote and did say no, and were forced to vote again. You're very good at making people vote again, but what we've proved is the British are too big to bully, thank goodness. As I've said before, you all thought it was terribly funny. Uh, You stopped laughing in 2016. I want Brexit to start a debate across the rest of Europe. If we want trade, friendship, cooperation, reciprocity. We don't need a European Commission. We don't need a European Court. We don't need these institutions and all of this power. And I can promise you, both in UKIP and indeed in the Brexit Party, we love Europe, we just hate the European Union. It's as simple as that. So I'm hoping hoping this begins the end of this project. It isn't just undemocratic, it's anti-democratic, it gives people power without accountability. And that is an unacceptable structure. Indeed, there's an historic battle going on now across the West. It is globalism against populism. And you may loathe populism, but I tell you a funny thing, it's becoming very popular. (laughs) And it has great benefits. No more financial contributions. No more European Court of Justice. No more common fisheries policy. No more being talked down to. No more being bullied. No more Guy Verhofstadt. I mean, I mean, what's not to like? I know you're going to miss us. I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're going to wave you goodbye. 
and we'll look forward in the future to working with you as sovereign. If you disobey the rules, you get cut off. Could we please remove the flags? Mr. Farage, could we remove the flags, please? That's it, it's all over. Finished. We're gone. Could I please ask for quiet? I'm really... Please sit down, resume your seats, put your flags away, you're leaving, and take them with you if you are leaving now. And... Goodbye. Can I just say, if I may say, just in a slight reference, the word hate was used in the last um, contribution. And I really think, given what we listened to prior to this, that we should not hate anyone or any nation or any people. It's, it's the institution he hates, not not. Yeah, not he didn't hate anyone, any nation. People, yeah, it was a, it was a great speech, but he, he had his mic turned off, and that sort of you know proved the whole point yeah, because, of it. No, no nation flags allowed. No. Yeah, they started waving these little flags, and it is sort yeah. of lame. Like if you're going to do that, do it the proper way. You get a big flag on a pole. At least it was better than what the uh, Liberal Democrat contingent did. The yellow T-shirts with bollocks to Brexit. Well, they they had like um. European flag and Union Jack flag scarfs, which were allowed. You're allowed scarfs with flags on, but you're not allowed flags just by themselves. It's rules. But they, you're they, not allowed little flags on little sticks. No, but you're allowed a scarf with a flag on. Can you take the scarf off your shoulders? I bet there's some sort of. Weird... I don't know. But they they all linked arms and sang for Old Lang Syne. You know, it's sung at New Year's because it's basically. Let's all make up and be friends. It's like the end of an era, beginning of a new one. End of season, end of festival type thing. Yeah, but this, the sad truth is, even though we'll be allies, we'll be economic competitors, and there's there's no two ways around that. That's just a fact. Our friends and allies in Europe will be our friends, allies, and competitors. <sighs> Do you know what? We'll probably end up with like more free movement, just because like Britain doesn't really make much. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, but at least at least we can like so yeah so we can increase free movement. But then at any time in the future, we've given our future generations the ability to reduce that if they want to. Whereas if we were in the EU, they wouldn't have had that power. You know, thank me later, guys. Thank me later. I'm talking to like toddlers now. Do you know what I mean? We we because well, they they have the self determination back. You know, it doesn't matter what we do in the next ten years. It might be disastrous what we do, but at least we can chop and change and and we have more control. We have more control. Take you back control. It's like a joke, but it's it's a very simple argument, but it it still works because it's you know. Um, UK politicians, especially, won't be able to rely on the look. There's there's nothing we can do. It's an EU thing. They won't be able to say that anymore. I think the public is going to have to be a little bit more vigilant and on the ball. Mm-hmm. easy part is over the um, divorce settlement is done mm-hmm. now comes the you know shared children how do we move on from this I think I, I think a lot of I think most of the moderate remainers have sort of moved on you know because they, they must realise they look like stupid now they looked anti-democratic which is why I think they the more mild ones got on board with it because it became like a pro anti-democracy thing you know which I, it was it was really to be honest I can I can definitely envisage a rejoin movement starting up again. 
Oh yeah, they're already they're already talking about it. There's already talk of like the remaining circles of oh within ten years we'll be back. Mm-hmm. Let's see where the EU is in ten years' time. Be begging us to join them. We'll be sending like aid parcels over. Hopefully, <laughs> well, if Saint Gret is right, yeah, Europe will be destroyed in eight years. Be underwater. Train negotiations. Yeah. Are I, we any fucking good at that, considering well, the EU have done it on our behalf for 40 years? Thankfully, we've got... There is a sort of deadline where they're meant to get them done by the end of the year. So that, that can definitely help sharpen minds. And the fact that it looks like they're going to... Well, we can't really hold out as much as they can't hold out. And the fact that it looks like we're going to be playing hardball as well. I, I don't know. I reckon if we're going hard and fast, we might be able to get some good deals. But like I said, I think there'll be like five years of tweaking. Like, like Farage said in that final speech. That's an extension we're to out. the... Everything else is just details. Yeah, but it's, it's going to mean extending, extending the transition period. Another year, another year, another year. That would be very unpopular politically, though. That, that, yeah, they can use that. Every extension can yeah, be used. Say, Every extension in anything to do with Brexit can be seen as a delay of Brexit. Any, any sort of extension can be used as a cudgel to kill a political party or kill an, an yeah. administration. Because it has done. It killed off Mays when she tried to extend it. Like, Labour's indecision over it has killed Labour. It's, it's political kryptonite. So, like, yeah. they want to get it done and dusted and out of the way. They don't want to what leave it hanging around. What if they don't, right? Because you know how, um, as soon as the vote was lost by the Remain campaign, they immediately transitioned into people's, now. people's vote oh, right. campaigning immediately, like the day after. They're not going to go away. The people's vote campaign is going to become the rejoin campaign. And if it gets extended three, four years, which is plausible, Boris will have to face another election. Well, like the Tories, well, wherever the government, mm. current gov- incumbent government would have to face another election. And then if they lose to a Europhile government, you know what I mean? That's like worst case. No, sort of, uh, I, I think, I think, I think, but you're like sort of missing the fact that we're, we're on a bit of new ground now. You only had to see that Brexit rally and when that... Uh, Guy Frisbee was singing out all the names of all the people, like all the celebrities and stuff. Lily Allen. These people have been indelibly marked and scarred, and a lot of them will be ruined by this thing. Because, like, they were meant to win. So, like, they would have, they thought by taking up the mantle, they would be, like, heroes and lights anymore. But it's all blown back in their faces. Like, no one likes Hugh Grant anymore. No one likes... uh, But that's why um, that whole, like, oh, we were supposed to win, we were meant to win... That's going to self-reinforce. Otherwise, they would have gone away, right? They would have faded away. They would have accepted defeat. But now they're going to stay. They're going to be more determined, more resolute. Because we were supposed to win. We were cheated somehow in some way. The country's becoming more far right. And I can't allow that to happen. You know, they'll justify it some way. Yeah, yeah. But again, this is just all details, Tom. This is just all, this is all just flim flam. Well, when you're talking <laughs> international all, treaties, Yeah, no, matter. no, 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 no. You're talking about like the chattering Guardianista classes there, like talking you about... You still have influence. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but like I said, at the end of the day, what you ask me what's gonna, what I think is going to happen. And what I think is going to happen is like the people who make money, they're still going to want to make money. Where it counts the most, they're not going to rock the boat. Things aren't going to, there aren't going to be any dramatic changes because the, the market doesn't want that. They don't want that. I think things are going to chug along and I think that actually it will, it will turn to, to Britain's favour. I think we're ahead of the curve again. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll be viewed as the bad guys, but we always have been done historically <laughs> as getting like the best out yeah, of the There's a lot deal. of truth to that, that we have always been viewed. Yeah, well, but I just think we're ahead of the curve. Other, I think other, other European countries are going to follow suit. I honestly think this is, this is a mortal blow to the EU. I know you don't see it like that. You think they've survived worse, but... You know what Farage said? Globalism versus uh, populism. I don't know if it's quite populism 
or like the sort of populism for I just talking about. I think it is just more of the culture's moved too far to a, a radical left position. We need to curb that back, like you know, curtail that a little bit, bring it back a bit. I don't think it's like a massive radical change. I, I just think it's just there was a bit of too much of a push leftwards in you, terms of cultural values and shit. And then it's like, we're going to try and bring it back a little bit. Yeah, but you could sort of say that, OK, politics has changed and the way the people consume media has changed and they like people. For the better, I think. And they like people who are more blunt and to the point and outspoken like Trump and Farage and Boris and all these like. And you could you could argue that the left hasn't had their 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 Trump yet. You know what I mean? They haven't had their populist person yet. The well, left Corbyn was. Corbyn yeah, tried to copy. But that's Trump. it. But, but then you say, but then you think about it. Maybe they have. You think Justin Trudeau. You know, some of the Democrats, maybe AOC. Mm. You know, gorgeous. But Elizabeth Warren is trying hard to but, sort of win the hard despite, left over. Despite all this, eventually, because of the platform that they're on, they eventually just spout bollocks. And you know, it, they they can't be populist because what they're saying is. They're trying to too, uh, please Isn't, too many people yeah. to be a populist. Yeah, so like to be a populist, you've got to be willing to sort of jab someone a bit, maybe like yeah, so like, like huck them to the body. So like, what are they going to do? You know, it's interesting. Maybe like they do see like that you could you can view Brexit and Britain leaving the EU as a, as a, as a triumph of populism. Now the other side, if you want to call them globalists or leftists, it doesn't matter. But they will have, they'll be seeing that. And they'll be panicking. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in response to that. Because when people panic and they see themselves losing ground or slipping power, they, they sometimes act in unpredictable ways. So it'll be interesting I think to, they're to sort do the of same, see. The same stuff, like trying to find they'll some just, loophole in the law and take it to a court. Do you think maybe a mirror of it will be like what happens in the UK with the Labour leadership? Do you maybe, even though you th- you'd expect them to vote for Keir Starmer, and that's what I think will happen, do you think maybe though they'll just self reinforce? voting long bailey again and just like bunker down and just that that's what i maybe that's that's what they that's all they can do i don't know because it's party, labor party membership was going down for the last couple of years it's now going back up how much is that is pro corbyn people versus people who want corbynism out of you, labor you would have thought all the pro corbyn ones are already members is jess phillips already dropped out because she couldn't get support from trade unions probably wouldn't have got support from the wider membership either I think Lisa Nandy's like, she's just too much of a lightweight. When is the actual election? When's it happening? I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking care. I think Keir Starmer's the only one who could possibly understand that Labour's facing a sort of life or death moment here. I think he's the only one who could comprehend the seriousness of it. I think Rebecca Long Bailey's in this dream world of, we won the argument, but lost the election. Okay. Yeah, it's like Labour's sort of content to be in the opposition rather than being in government. Like I said last week, they can't, how are they going to win? How do they come back to winning a majority? Nobody can see how they can do it. So it could be like, it's gonna, probably going to be eight years of Tory rule. Another eight years. Mm. Who the fuck wants that? But the future, I think it's going to be extended at least to 2023 as opposed to January next year. What, the Brexit? Yeah. Just because like, our negotiators yeah. aren't going to be very good. No, I think, I, think, I think the tide has turned. I, th- I honestly think there's quite a lot of momentum behind the whole leave thing now. I think it's a shot, a shot in the arm the country is needed for a while. And it, I honestly think it's it's going to be really positive. I, I was jokingly talking to my friends the other day, and I was we, they were saying like, when was the last time you know Brexit happened? And I was like, oh, it was probably when uh, Henry the Eighth uh, broke away from the Church of Rome, for, founded the Protestant Church. That's and, what David Starkey was saying. Yeah, and it, but it it led to a, a a sort of golden age for the UK, at least apart from the odd plague and that, like. Um, 
culturally and you know it, it was in in roughly the renaissance time so yeah there was a bit of bleed over from that but it was it was good and we, we had a real strong national identity and we're gonna have to work for that though yeah we're gonna have to become more efficient energy costs are gonna have to come down because there's a lot of problems with the country that i think i'm hoping the british public has sort of got a spring in its step that's sort of like okay let's start fixing other shit yeah that's what i was saying i think i've got a feeling that's that's the, what we're going to be doing now like I say, people. Do you know say what I think is going first? A bit of introspection can be good. Uh, do you know what I think is going first? BBC license fee. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably going to go. Yeah, that's a vote winner. Yeah, well, it's like a hundred odd quid in your pocket every year. Yeah, I don't see the um, remain people going anywhere. There'll, it's be, nothing, be, murky, there'll be nothing but like a, a, a smouldering crater f- for them to rejoin in, in within four years. Just watch. They'll be, they'll, be, they'll be saying, thank God you got us out of that madhouse. At the moment, every weekend, there's guillegeons on the streets of Paris. You get them on the streets of Brussels as two occasionally. I give it like a year before they'll be storming the parliament and there'll be like footage of them in the EU parliament, people in yellow vests running around. Just watch. I could see Macron having to step down. I can see Macron like screaming, running from a crowd, holding burning pitchforks. Just because he's lost like so much control <laughs> that he'd have to just fucking step down and call another election where he's not running in it. Yeah, there's like a, a helicopter permanently like running and fully fueled on the roof, on, on the yeah. roof of the Palace Elysee. <laughs> just case. And I hope I hope there's a gunner on the board of the UK ready to shoot him down. <laughs> Fuck it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the Informed Insight podcast. Thanks for being here, Tim. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.